recording episode fuck 163 162 164 probably 163 with will okay. ellie 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 god damn it god damn it um <laughs> all right whatever strike two i got one more try um yeah yeah so last week our uh, podcast was rudely cut short by my shitty internet and my shitty cell service but made some adaptions but that's not interesting and that's not why anyone's listening to this podcast so uh Let's jump into it, man. What? Yeah, yeah we were get, we were just getting into files the last episode. I don't remember what the files were. I think we were talking about Timothy McVeigh or the the World Trade Center bombings, and then oh, everything yeah. went to so hell. So the one thing I, I never I'm still looking for. It, oh, I mean, there's the no, actual, no agenda. My actual um, reports yeah. from uh, uh, the Twin Towers in '91. Is it 91? Off the top of my head, right? I thought that it was 93. Was, you're probably right. You um, might be. You right. might be. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's Wikipediaable. Um. <laughs> Wikipediaable. That is a verb or a noun or an adjective. But yeah, so um, World Trade I think we're just trying to remember what explosive was used world trade center yeah 93 93 93 february 26 the 100 the 1336 pound urea nitrate hydrogen gas enhanced device oh yeah yeah so urea nitrate which is another fertilizer based explosive very similar to ammonium nitrate um, it's just urea nitrate versus ammonium nitrate is is a very like get what you can get your hands on type of a thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, there's all kinds of oh you can um, you can get, make urea nitrate by you know um, you know distilling urine and then nitrating the urea from it or it's like yeah or you can just buy bags of urine nitrate yeah like yeah in pretty much any country the less developed the better oh really because there's Probably yeah agricultural like the based. less developed countries tend to use more like real solid based fertilizers okay and have less controls over them Okay. Where in this country, it's a lot of liquid fertilizers with more controls. Okay. Um, and the liquid fertilizers, I, I don't know if anybody's done work in it, but I've never heard of people making explosives from it. I'm sure it's possible because the chemicals there, um, it's still the same chemical but it's suspended in probably a liquid you know, just probably just water um but it's just not something that come has come up um like in any of my classes that i've taken on hme labs which have been way too many um liquid fertilizers never never been a thing i've never yeah Sorry, I'm just I, no, I no. came upon that my that I came upon that thought just this moment. No, not not at all. Oh. I had on a I had on my friend Josh Newman yesterday. He's been on a couple times. He started his own podcast after doing one, 
Um, okay. he, he was he's 35. He was a, a Marine, I think, in Iraq. Okay. And uh, we we're talking about I brought up you. I brought up uh, EOD, and he was like, uh, he goes, man, those guys never got there on time. He goes, there was always like a five hour wait. And, he, and I was like, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe they're trying to see if any of you dumbasses set it off. And he goes, they're probably doing something important, like defusing bombs. But you know, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. He wants to get you to go on his podcast, by the way. I told him I'd ask you. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah. send him my contact info. Oh well, I will. That's what I said. I was like, I'll I'll ask if I can send you send send the info. But um, yeah. Is I guess wave to the ATF is is it how how easy is it to make like right now like with your knowledge is it like the knowledge that's like harder to come by it's kind of like we don't control nuclear weapons so much as we control the material is it that it's hard to create bombs or is it hard to learn how to create bombs everyone's on a list two years of inorganic chemistry like university level Mm -hmm. inorganic chemistry and access to anarchist literature mm-hmm. and you then you have the knowledge to create the most common so like secondary explosives which are the main charge the, the big explosive mm-hmm. like when we we're talking about an explosive train last time yeah secondary explosives in like in lebanon were, was like the ammonium nitrate primary explosives is like the fireworks yeah right um or the fire you know the beginning of that explosive train so the most common primary explosive used by terrorists like created by terrorists when it's not just stolen um mining grade blasting caps um is triacetone triperoxide or TATP with two years of undergrad chemistry and um access to anarchist literature you can make decent TATP with one stop at home depot um and actually so in the military we have like handheld spectrometers Mm -hmm. for testing unknown chemicals if you, we are like searching a lab and yeah. trying to determine what they are use, what they're making. Is it a homemade explosives lab? Is it a drug lab? Is it a bio weapon lab? Whatever. We carry like down to the basic EO, bomb squad teams, EOD teams. Um, we have, it's a portable little spectrometer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we train with these, the people setting up the training will often just fill containers of with water as our simulant mm-hmm. for us to run but the problem is the spectrometer is designed to look for something dissolved in water like it's tuned for that yeah um so the the spectrometer just gets freaking confused and looks at it forever looking for something else in there um because you know if you have hydrogen peroxide it's hydrogen peroxide, probably it's like 3% hydrogen peroxide yeah. with water, yeah. right? The spectrometer will find that it's hydrogen, will, will say, hey, you're looking at hydrogen peroxide. It won't say you're looking at water. Yeah. It's designed to it's look for- Kind of cancels all that out, yeah. That are re- liquid chemicals are something in water. Yeah. Um, 
So I went out to set up, set up a training for, uh, the army does these EOD team of the year competitions. It's like sort of like uh, best ranger, but it's, um, tiered where it goes from the EOD companies up to the, like the EOD companies will run a competition and then the battalion level brigade level. And then finally like an all army competition. Mm -hmm. And I was running the train. I was helping set up a HME lab for the competitors to run, um, at a battalion or brigade level, something like that. And I was tired of the bad simulants in these HME labs. So I just went to home Depot and I bought all the chemicals needed to make TATP at once. Oh, um, one, cause I needed them this lab and two, I've always heard that retailers would flag certain combination yeah, yeah. of purchases. And I just wanted to see what would happen. Yeah. So, um, I'm not going to get into how it's made. It's the easiest to Google thing in the world. Yeah. Um, but I'll, like the ingredients were high, high, high strength hydrogen peroxide, the higher, the better, um, acetone, which is just yeah. sold in the paint section, nail polish remover or paint remover. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just sold as a big can that says acetone. <laughs> um, and it's really pure, way more pure than you have the need for this. And, um, uh, sulfuric acid, we, which you can just buy as battery acid, um, or a few other things, drain cleaner, um, the drain cleaner stuff that has green dye works fine. Um, and I was able, hydrogen peroxide is usually the tougher one to get okay. because you want higher, like you want 30 to 50% strength hydrogen peroxide, which is a lot stronger than the over the counter stuff. But I found, um, uh, stuff sold to oxygenate your septic system in a gallon jug and based on how quickly it bleached my skin when i spilled a little bit of it um i'd say it's 40 percent or better okay um which kind of stunned me at how cheap a gallon of 40 percent a gallon hydrogen peroxide was the other place to get it's um is is like hair bleach yeah but they usually charge a lot for that yeah and it's like a lot of states require a, a, a beautician's license or a cosmetology license to buy it. Okay. But no, Home Depot, um, you know, septic tank oxygenator. Shout out Home Depot for enabling uh, enabling the ISIS in all of us. Yeah, but and and that's kind of like I think I was talking to you. I think I mentioned it last week that. I am astounded every day with like how crazy things seem to be with politics right now, with riots going on after protests, pandemics, um, yeah, and all the things going on, but nobody's blowing things up. Yeah, yeah, we did talk about that. There's no why isn't there a well? They weren't there some like homemade bombs in uh, Portland. Weren't they throwing them at like the? They put like a fence around a court or a federal court, or were those like, were those just like little so bitch I, ass bombs? I used to get when I was active duty. I would get the um, the FBI and the ATF come together, and they put out a weekly email 
of all of the explosive incident incidents in the in in America. Okay. And there's way more than you would think, but almost all of them are kids with um, what I call an aluminum foil bomb. Um, are you familiar with that no. concept? No. So it's a very common thing for kids nowadays. Um, it's you take a ball of aluminum foil and a little bit of sulfuric acid based drain cleaner. You put it in a soda bottle and you seal it up really fast and throw it. And it generates, I think, hydrogen gas until the bottle blows up. Okay. Um, and it, it'll take apart a mailbox. Fuck yeah. We used to make, my brother used to make us dry ice bombs. Yeah. Same, same idea. Okay. But they prosecute kids oh, for shit. that shit now. Oh, shit. Yeah. I would get a weekly roll-up on all the things the FBI or ATF responded to. And it would say what charges were filed. And yeah, every week, 5, 10, 15 of these, and I call them overpressure devices in general, like that whole category. Sure. Because um, it's just a something generating gas until the container lets go. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I would have gone to prison when I was like 12 for that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and man. That's how I got interested in this field. <laughs> um, so I used to feel that like if I ever got called on one of those, I probably would be like, Oh, I don't, I don't know what's here. Yeah. Like, I don't think it was those kids. I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, yeah. When we used to make dry ice bombs in like an upscale neighborhood, I mean, we were like, 12 13 yeah. yeah we get big ones we you know we moved up from like the 20 ounce bottles to like the two liters the three liters like get them in yeah. big slingshots really get some fucking get some heat on those motherfuckers you can get federal charges for that shit now jesus. it is crazy jesus christ so all right so those are all those but yeah what happened with what happened with home depot i know you said you can't say how you made it but was there anything no, so here, they didn't light you up? So I intentionally wasn't combining, like, I know how, like, every EOD technician knows how to make TATP from raw ingredients, but that wasn't my point. Yeah. Um, I was, I wanted to have clear, like, beakers yeah. and glassware set up with the raw ingredients so that they can run their spectrometer. And then, um, I took because it's a white crystalline solid you end up finishing it one of the good ways to finish it is in like a pyrex baking dish and let it um dry there um so i took um popcorn salt and basically dumped out a thing of popcorn salt into a dish and then added a little bit of water to sort of dissolve it and then let it dry and recrystallize as a mess um and that was my that was the sample of finished product for them to check out. So they would have gotten sodium chloride from that. Um, and I'd be like, yeah, your, your spectrometer work, works. And then I wanted them to be able to scan all the other glassware and get an actual reading on their spectrometer for hydrogen peroxide, for, for, for sulfuric acid, and for um, acetone. And be able to tell the graders, oh, they're making TATP here. Okay. You know, they've got a white crystal and solid, they have the ingredients, and then they have the different stages of work from like 
yeah, there's like different steps in making it. And I was, I had them all set up Yeah, and it went well. Um, but yeah, nobody, I didn't get the slightest sideways look going into, you know, Home Depot in civilian clothes and buying just the ingredients for this explosive, you know, and it wasn't like in Breaking Bad where, you know, I don't know if you saw Breaking Bad, but there's this great scene where he catches two guys in his, in Albuquerque at a, at a like Home Depot or Lowe's, you know, probably with a different name for the show and um, basically talking about buying all the ingredients and the main character, you know, basically tells them you're doing this all wrong. You buy one thing at one store and another thing and you don't buy it all together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, like, really. But do you think maybe that it was flagged, but it's flagged in like a, uh, they don't want to spook you. I'm just looking at it from my, compl- because I spent 50 yeah. years in the FBI. Let me uh, tell you about our tactics. Um, but I yeah, feel like I you would, yeah, do it quietly. Maybe try to follow the person. See if they're part it's, of a larger network. It's possible, but you know, I think what's more likely is if there was, let's say, something blew up in that area where I was. Yeah, they might have gone around to, and it, they they figured out it was TATP. Mm-hmm. They might then go around to different like go to Lowe's and go to Home Depot and say, Hey, has anybody bought these things? Yeah. Yeah. After the fact, I don't, it didn't feel like there was anything proactive going on, which is kind of what people always said happened. Maybe, like that was yeah. the rumor that goes around in our field. Yeah. It's that that proactive stuff is going on. And my experience in, in buying it all intentionally was, I don't know. Maybe it could still be, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe it's a deterrent. Maybe it's the illusion that creates a deterrent. You know, it's like a yeah. who is it? Mike Baker, that former CIA guy that was on Joe Rogan, and he was like, "Let me tell you this." He's like, "Yes, they're watching everything. They're recording everything. But guess what? They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about the porn you're looking at. They don't give a fuck about what you're yeah. googling. There is so yes, they have everything, but because they have everything." and it's 300 million people's everything is an infinite stack that every day would take a single 24-hour period would take a century to go through so unless you are a high value target they don't give a fuck about the weird porn you're looking at about what you're buying about what you're gambling they don't care yeah. yeah and that's one of the reasons why i don't one one of the reasons i don't get all worried about surveillance is i know i'm i been on every list for a long time yeah um you know military bomb techs uh we all work with the secret service at one time or another the secret service i don't know if you're aware of that i didn't know that uh the secret service doesn't have a bomb squad and they rent out yeah they rent out military techs on a rotational basis well that probably makes sense just get the ones where you're going you're going somewhere pick them up from there well so we always try like so yeah, the closer you are, the more likely. But I used to fly, I'd fly from Maryland to Arizona for a Secret Service mission. Oh, so okay, um, they're not just getting the people near. I wonder what the reason is for that. Secur- so the security? The reason is nobody's ever found a bomb with the Secret Service. 
So if you were a secret service bomb tech, you'd get your little bit of training at the beginning and then you'd never see anything real again. In, um, in Annie, I think it's, I think it's this book, Annie Jacobson's surprise kill vanish. It's all about like the CIA special activities division, but they talk Mm -hmm. about the, it was George HW and I think Iraq, they actually, they did find a bomb under a bridge and they diverted the motorcade, but they did it very quietly. And I think she said, and like, it's not public knowledge until like the publishing of this book in 2019, but they were like, not, not to say you're wrong, but it it made sense. Why would you, yeah. Why would you announce it? Over over in Iraq, it would be different. Okay, yeah, that's different I'm than, sure <laughs> than America. I I'm excluding. Okay. I guess. Okay, I thought you meant like that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It probably happened yeah. in Iraq under a bridge as opposed to Brooklyn. And it probably wasn't just for him. It was probably just there was a roadside bomb. Because <laughs> they're just and... everywhere there. It's like dandelions. There's they just found a bomb. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was probably it was probably his motorcade route because it was a common military route. Okay, sure. And the military routes are being checked for bombs constantly and they're constantly being found. That makes a lot more sense. That makes a lot. Yeah. It's probably on this like, yeah, well beaten path that they've done before that all the drivers know that that the nearby bases are familiar with and hand in hand, which the terrorists are always setting up ieds for and he's it, the route it was probably going from like the iraqi capital government building where the prime minister is between there and the military base yeah yeah like Pro- that's Pro- what the route was yeah and it's probably the route yeah that, you know the big highway that's <laughs> actually paved and well maintained that isn't yeah that is doesn't go through like the back like valleys and mountains of like the the heroin farmers like yeah yeah okay yeah okay so that's a um, lot different yeah that's not okay that's not that's apples and oranges that's a back road yeah. in iraq versus birmingham like, yeah as far as i know so so mike vining has a good story um dude um so there was one big one, but there was a secret service thing going I gotta, he's got a great story. I've heard him tell it. Um, I can't, I think it was a secret service mission and stuff started blowing up. And I think he was a team member at the time and his team leader went in like, there was a bunch of bombs going on at once kind of all over the city um and they got called for a suspected device at like a some kind of plant um and his team leader went in to go check on it and it went oh, and he died the dude died oh, shit. um and i think this was this was when before he went delta um when he was a normal eod tech so it would have been like vietnam era okay um yeah um yeah mike mike vining knows the story he was freaking there okay uh, but, yeah that's nuts um and he's told me it before um but yeah it was like a really bad day um and 
like he had to do the post blast on it as far as like if i remember mm-hmm. right um but like that's one of the few and I, if i remember right that was a secret service mission role like he was there on a secret service mission but it was kind of like there were bombs going off all over the city not necessarily where the protectee was okay and they got called kind of to support because they happened to be it's like if a bunch of thick bombs were if the president was in new york and there were bombs going off around new york city kind of maybe in protest of the president being there sure you know the secret service wouldn't be involved in it otherwise but these guys got involved because they were the best bomb technicians within the state like pretty much wherever a military eod tech goes they're the best bomb tech in that city Mm -hmm. like unless there's a really good guy that would happen to be prior military in a local police state department they are all way worse than sounds like average military eod team leader that sounds like a perfect setup for like a like a like a b b rated movie yeah like retired grizzled eod i am happy to debate with a fbi bomb technician on in public or on your podcast (laughs) about who is better and can you get but they won't make that argument i went to my advanced uh when i did advanced ieds we had an fbi bomb tech in the class and you know they they don't get the level of training we do they go through the six week course that every so police departments go through a six week course run by the atf and the fbi um and that's it unless their department happens to find some money for some additional training which like unless you're in la or new york it's not going to happen um, I think LA and New York are about the only police departments in the country that have full-time bomb squads. Yeah, makes sense. Um, every every other bomb technician in a local poli- in a police department, um, even up to state police, sheriff's departments, it's an additional duty. Like you're a patrol officer who got sent who like does additional duty on the bomb squad, just like on the SWAT team. And you get like an extra 200 bucks a month for being on call with the bomb squad. You have your certificate. Just like with the SWAT team. Yeah. I feel like, we'll give a little background information on yourself real quick. I gotta go piss, I'm sorry. (laughs) I drank drank a lot of water. If Tommy doesn't edit this out, I am just checking my email. I was thinking 
Yeah, do you think you could get like an FBI bomb tech? I don't know any of the FBI guys. Um, I've got a few, like I've got one contact at NYPD um, who's a National Guard EOD technician. Um, but most, like where I live um, in Ohio, when I was first getting out, I was looking at maybe local law enforcement to try to get on a bomb squad. But pretty much anywhere you go outside of like NYPD or L, I, so I know L, NYPD, if a military bomb, from talking to their bomb squad guys, um, if they know a military bomb tech is um, applying for the NYPD, um, the commander of the bomb squad will step in and help direct that person. Okay. Because it's such an advantage to in have. training and things. Because um, to be a military bomb tech, you have to go through um, maybe EOD school, which is give or take a year. Um, I think it's about, I think it's only about nine months, but between like getting to the school, it usually takes, like once you get there, it takes maybe a month to start a class. Um, Cause there's a lot of times a backlog, at least there was when I went through. Mm -hmm. um, and then before I could start that, the army has a, a washout program where you go through like, I think it's three months, nine weeks, a nine week course, which is like pre EOD school just because it's so expensive for the military to send somebody to EOD school. They don't want to send somebody who's just going to go there and fail yeah. or go and be a fuck up. Yeah. Um, you know, so try to weed them out. They kind of get you started look for signs that you're not worth sending. Yeah. Um, fail you early before they pay the Navy a bunch of money to train you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. You know, and, and then after all that, you're only a basic team member. And you're probably two to four years from being team leader certified, which is the, and then at a local police department, they might have one or two people that have been through the six week FBI course. And the rest of them probably have not even been, been through that. And they just got some training with the couple of people that went through the six week course. <laughs> You know, yeah, and just if they're gonna blow do blow something up, they have to have like that guy that went through the six week course there. Yeah, everyone else is there to like maintain equipment and help move the robot and drive the robot yeah. and help put on the bomb suits. It's you want one or two people to do that. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, you're not. I don't think I've ever put on the bomb suit on my own. Like you get dressed, somebody dresses they strap you, you in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think that, do you think that like, I feel like Chicago and Atlanta would have bomb squads just because of Chicago O'Hare and Hartsfield Jackson, just like the number one and two busiest airports in the world? So it's possible. I haven't met anybody. Um, I've never worked in Chicago. I have responded in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. I, lived I don't in remember it being like set stuff but one thing to remember is most um ports like airports have their own police departments okay 
Um, and every uh, and the TSA at all the major airports have a position called the uh, TSSE. It used to be a, a bomb appraisal officer, a BAO, but they changed the title to uh, like TSS is like the title for all like the um, um, like the TSA. It's like technical security something but the, the dash E is just explosives. Yeah. Um, and to, so originally that position, you had to be a military bomb tech, had to be a graduate of Navy, Naval, Naval School Explosive Board Disposal. Um, but when they changed the title, the TSSE, they started letting in graduates of the six week FBI course. Um, but for the most part, it's still staffed by ex-military bomb techs. Um, and so they're there to make the decision to call the bomb squad. Okay. Which at most of major airports is just the bomb squad guys um, for the port police. Okay. That makes sense. Like Cleveland Airport doesn't have it, um, but like Seattle Port Police, um, I know at least, I don't know if he's still there, but I used to, it used to be a Navy guy that was head of security for the Seattle Port Police and um, he was an ex-Navy bomb tech. Um, and like LAPD, the Port of LA, same thing, their own police. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times that stuff's broken up. Um, so you might be right, but um, all the various different law enforcement agencies that are in big cities kind of reduce reduce the lo- workload as you're thinking of it. Okay, yeah. it's I was in... LA on November 1st 2013 for a medical school interview I flew in the day before and I flew in the next day but on the day of my interview November 1st is the day that some guy walked into LAX and shot up the place first time a TSA agent was ever killed might have been the only time but they I remember they brought because I couldn't get to my hotel it took me like eight hours A, a 20 minute cab ride from the hotel to the med school was an eight hour walk back because all the roads were shut down. They called in the bomb squad. I vividly remember you could look up in the sky and there were no planes because they shut down LAX, but there were so many news choppers because it's, I mean, it's an international airport. And yeah, I, like I couldn't go back to my hotel because like they didn't know like what was in a blast radius. And I was like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> but... that's when it became, they started um, emphasizing the security risk of long lines of security because the shooting was like at the TSA checkpoint. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the guy walked right up, yeah, killed the TSA agent. I think he was killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, because it became that. Yeah, it became a big news piece that long lines, like you know, because if you're flying in at Christmas, there is. A thousand people at the TSA checkpoint at a big airport because yeah. it's like a whole bunch of lines, yeah. snaked around. Everybody's yeah. crammed together. Right there, dude. I lived in Atlanta for 15 years, man. Hartsfield, Jackson, yeah. around th- you know Thanksgiving, Christmas, flying home to see family. Oh, I yeah. used to always think that I'd be like, man, if I was like much more unstable and maybe like a religious fundamentalist, I was like, there's no. I'm like, there's a lot of security to get, you know, into the main airport, but I'm like where everyone's just being dropped off. Yep. Sure, they have cop cars there, and if anyone, like, parks or stops their car, they'd be like, no, you got to keep going. But I was like, man, 
You just go rent a U-Haul or some shit, or just get a van, pack this fucker up. You don't even need to get close. <laughs> you don't even oh, yeah. need to get close. I mean, but, and you can also just do like Columbine style and walk in. Oh yeah, like, not even park a bomb. In the, park oh. in the uh, garage with the trench coat on. Yeah, yeah. Walk not even. In. Just have to just jump out of a van. I'm th- in my mind's eye. I'm seeing like where I was dropped off every time. You walk right in there, and yeah, for holidays they have they put up the. Uh, the, like the temporary almost like yeah like the bank teller lines yeah they yep. just snake and it's just it's just like 50 is literally like 50 rows thick you'll stand in there for two yep. hours and yep. i mean they walk up and down with like bomb dogs and stuff and it's mainly around holidays but yeah they have like bomb dogs they always have like a show of force but if you went in there with like no you know no desire to get out of it alive yeah that's another thing it's like we talked about the lack of car bombs the yeah. lack of attacks there just it boggles the mind. Is it There's deterrence? So many soft targets. Yeah. Is it deterrence, and or is it a good? Do we have a good intelligence system, or is it just? Do they nip it in? Do they nip it in the bud? Do they get it while it's still being planned over email? And you know, it's less likely that just some white yeah. dude with a college education is going to throw it all away versus you know, Abdul from Oman is here and he doesn't speak English. <laughs> Well, I mean, look at the Unabomber. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, Harvard, Ted Kaczynski, dude, he's a brilliant motherfucker. It's Ted Kaczynski, yeah. right? Yeah. No, no, not Ted Kaczynski. That's Ted Kaczynski was. Um, I thought. Uh, oh, he no, he was like the technology manifesto guy. Was he no, the Unabomber? Well, no, wasn't wasn't Kaczynski. I have no now idea. I'm confused. No, I'm confused. Let's look it up. Because I thought, wait. Let's see. Hold on. Hey, let me switch back to my internet real quick because I think. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, you're right. I Why did I? That just didn't sound right. Yeah, that's the Unabomber. Um, hey, hold I don't on. Know why that didn't I'm, sound right? I'm gonna switch right to my. Said it. I'm gonna switch to my um, Wi-Fi real quick. FYI. If I, and then if, who was Oklahoma? Oklahoma. That was Timothy McVeigh. Hey, I'm gonna switch to my Wi-Fi real quick because yeah. my internet's fucking up. Okay. Um, let's see. Hopefully you don't drop out. Hopefully, we'll see. hopefully. Let's see. Stay on. Are we good? Can you hear me? Yep. We did it. We made the surgery. We yep. did it. Um, right. Yeah. T- so I know they have decent internet in Ocean City. They do. What's going on here? Well, I live with my parents. <laughs> I live with my parents, and uh, yeah, the internet is, they're in their 60s. Internet is not priority number one. If it was my, if I had my ways, Yeah. When I get this podcast going, goddamn right, dude, I'm gonna get some. Fi- I'm gonna go somewhere where they have fiber, Google Fiber, or maybe just a satellite connection. Just foot the bill. It's yeah. You gotta get on that uh, beta for uh, Starlink. I know, dude. That's what I keep thinking of. I'm like, man, I just need to get on that shit. Cause yeah, it's yeah. That's what I want to get. Like as the podcast progresses, like I want to bump up the video resolution, audio resolution, audio quality. I just gotta yeah. get a killer connection. Yeah. It's, yeah, because right now it's there's too many times where I'm talking to someone and it starts to glitch up and I'm like, no, God, please, no, not now. Like, yeah, yeah. it's a, uh, but yeah, take Kaczynski and then Timothy McVeigh. You're right. I mean, they're two like middle class white guys. So I guess there goes my, yep. my theory of deterrence. Columbine, <laughs> two white kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I 
don't understand. Dude, I went like, to UGA, University of Georgia. I went to University of Georgia. And okay. and uh I mean there's like forty thousand students there and I had all my like my redneck friends, other friends that were like ex military. You know, if you have a gun on campus that's ten years in prison and ten thousand dollar fine. But they all carry Glocks in their backpacks because their mindset was is like, man, I'd rather fight this in court than just be because you go into those big like organic chemistry lectures, you're just in a, you're just in like a uh, an auditorium, you're just in seat number one of five hundred and there's one entrance. I used to always think I'd be like, someone's just gonna walk in here one day and just light this place up. They all used to carry <laughs> guns because they'd be like, fuck this, you know, I'm gonna put one in his head if someone comes in here. But I used to think like, so yeah, me and my friends would always talk about that. Like, man, if there would be a shooting, where would it be? And it'd be like, probably at like, probably in like the S- the SLC, the Student Learning Center. But then we started to think, if you look at UGA, there's the, the, the um, stadium is right in the middle of campus. And there's like an elevated bridge that goes by. All the buses go on it. People can walk. It's right behind like the field goal. We used to think in our, you know, completely normal conversations, me and my friend would always think like, man, if you really wanted to fuck shit up, you would just because you could pro- you can probably ram off the bridge into the stadium. Like, dude, if you got a bomb, you could go right into the student section and take out like 10,000 people. But like if you wanted to, I think you probably could. There's no security. Yeah, I mean, they're watching so a and you probably what well, it's funny because this made so little news. But a student tried to walk into either an OS Oklahoma State or a University of Oklahoma game with a bomb of TATP, the explosive I was talking about earlier. Jesus. Um, Yeah, he had a backpack full of pipe bombs filled with TATP. But the thing is, TATP's uh, primary explosive, you're supposed to make like the little blasting cap out of it not the big explosive because it's so sensitive yeah it's like the it also yeah. reacts with metal and becomes more sensitive oh. <laughs> so he filled these metal pipes with TATP jackass and he sat down on a bench outside of the stadium and it's a matter of debate some people think that he just decided to kill himself instead of going through with it or um, some people think when he set the bag down, um, because it was the TTP, it reacted and went off. But needless to say, it blew up while he was like, he decided, I guess, like one of the theories is that he went to sit down on the bench to wait until like, you know, right before halftime to when it was like as crowded as possible um, to walk in and blow himself up. Um, and then, but when he sat down, there was a problem and it blew up and it separated his head from his body. When was this? I think if I remember right, his head went like a hundred yards. When was this? Um, um, I want to, the early 2000s, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, yeah. OSU, uh, you said OSU? OSU or, uh, either OSU, um... I looked up OSU bomber and it came up with bomber jackets for OSU, <laughs> like the leather ones. Um, it might have been, might be OU also, or University of Oklahoma. Oklahoma bomber bombing, Oklahoma. 
God damn it, that's a Timothy McVeigh one. It's <laughs> Oklahoma City bombing. Okay, that's not what I'm looking for. Oklahoma. Yeah. I can't spell. University bombing? Let's see. 2005, University of Oklahoma bombing. Bomb went off near George Lynn Cross Hall. Let's see. October 1st, 2005. The bomber OU student Joel Henry Henrich III yep. was killed in the explosion. Yep. Yeah, he used a bunch of ammonium nitrate. There was an innuendo, innuendo regarding the Pakistani heritage of the bomber's roommate. He used TATP. Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, after the explosive, the agent was found to be TATP. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They can, yeah. Um, yep, and then... But yeah, I know the FBI guy that, so he's, uh, he works in, I think, New Mexico, New Mexico State, um, has a big bombing, uh, explosives, um, like, research, they do a lot of explosives research, they have like a mountain where they can have basically zero lit range limit, they can make bombs as big as they want, um, and, but he got called in, because when they went to his dorm, his dorm was covered in TATP residue. Oh, Jesus. And I guess his roommate just thought he was making drugs and didn't say anything. I mean, college, you know. Yeah. Gets a little crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like, but that happened in 2005. That, I'd never and heard of that. I'd never heard exactly. of that. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, did you know, I never knew this. Did you know that Columbine was supposed to be a bombing with, like, a little bit of shooting? If you ever watch the full or read all the, the, the classified shit from the FBI, their full report. they No, I never got too deep into that. I did. Did they get, like, stopped and then it, roll, like it rolled into a bunch of shooting? It, it kind of. The, it didn't go to plan, which I guess nothing ever does. This is, like, five years ago. I went on, like, a two-week bender where I just kind of read okay. everything about it, watched everything about it. And... What they wanted to do is they had propane tank bombs, and what they wanted yeah. to do is they went and set them down in the cafeteria, and above the cafeteria was the library, and their idea was that at the very like peak lunch hour, they detonate the bombs that would kill everyone in the cafeteria, and they hoped that it would bring down the library and everyone in the library, and then as everyone ran out, they were going to go like true psychopaths. They were going to be out on the edge and just start mowing everyone down. So as you either go back into the flaming building or you get shot. And not only that, they put explosives in their cars so that later when they, you know, eventually when the cops would get to their cars, a secondary chain of explosives would go off so they could take out EMT and bomb squad. The bombs didn't go off. So they, they yeah. went in and just started shooting. And towards the end, after right before they went to the library and did their kind of final stand, there's actually, it's like the most famous like still. If you just Google Columbine, it will probably be that frame still where it's like you see them and they're like, it's from a cafeteria CCTV. But oh, yeah. if you watch the yeah. video, they went in there and they were actually taking pot shots at the propane tanks. And they think that was the first maybe like loose attempt at suicide. It was just like, yeah. let's see if this fucker will go off. Didn't. They went back up to the library shot a couple more people and then shot themselves real piece of yeah, shit but yeah tanks aren't a super well, i don't think they were bright kids 
thing to bomb, like make a bomb out of. They I were, mean, I mean, they also left diaries saying that after they died, they were going to become demons and fly around the underworld. And I'm not making this up. And then hijack planes and fly them into skyscrapers in New York City. Eight years I mean, before 9-11, yeah, I mean, like, they, had, they had foresight, I guess. What's crazier, that or thinking that if you kill yourself, it, there's going to be 72 virgins waiting for They're you. They're both retarded. There's a lot of people that think that. Yeah, I had on that guy, <laughs> Dwayne Hughes, who worked at a, a Sandia laboratory for 38 years. He's like 86 yeah. and uh, did all sorts of nuclear weapons research. Yeah. And he was, I mean, just unabashedly... You know, this guy doesn't give a fuck. He's just, you know, <laughs> pro-American, zero PC. And he was like, I don't I don't understand uh, the whole 72 virgins things because I can tell you right now, we have enough of a stockpile of nuclear weapons that we might deplete their virgin supply. <laughs> like, the number we'd kill. I was like, fuck yeah, Dwayne. But, uh, yeah, man, they're both equally uh, they're both equally retarded. But um, did you know one of the kids? I think it was, it was Eric, Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. You know, one of them was born on 9-11, obviously before the actual date, but that was his birthday. Little fun fact. Um, yeah, and they did the shooting on 420, Hitler's birthday. I mean, that's not surprising. No. They had to pick a day. They had to. Dude, I always think about that, like, 420, like, the whole 420, you know, weed thing, that's been going on forever. You got to think. You know, because when I was in high school in the mid to late 2000s, 420, oh, you'd always see the stoners, like, even at a private Catholic high school, just, you'd see them at, uh, you know, you're a bunch of edgy 16-year-olds, 420, dude, we're high today. You gotta know, you gotta think, man, there had to have been someone high at Columbine on 420, and that just would have made the whole thing so much worse. It's a terrible <laughs> yeah. thing to joke about, but I think about that, like, man, my, uh, my old roommate had, had kind of a funny idea about 420. He's like, I think, think it was 420. I was like a sophomore in high school. Two girls took LSD and were just crying in one of my classes, <laughs> like sobbing, just like seeing the devil. Their shit. And my that. teacher didn't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> Who the fuck would take LSD and go to school, man? You do that, yeah, you do it, it out in the like woods. You do if you. Um, my time's doing it only a handful. Do it with like a best friend, a good vibes guy. You go out, you go out into the woods, maybe a lake house on a sunny day, and you watch the water shimmer and listen to birds. That's yeah. a religious experience. Why the fuck would you take it at school? I don't know. <laughs> I just remember like, because I actually worked with both of those girls in my first job. Yeah. And like they worked with me at this time. Yeah. Um, I was a busboy in a restaurant at 15 years old, and I think they were both hosts, like hostesses. Um, and yeah, they were all thought like, I, like I had to ask them like that weekend when we were working, like what the fuck Whoa, was yeah. going on with you two? LSD like oh, we took acid and went before class at lunch. But that's that sounds like the worst day of your life yeah right dude acid is acid is like an un acid's a lot like a solid fuel rocket once you light it it goes so if you're gonna light it make sure it's planned make sure you've got open skies you've got your trajectory because you're just going until it runs out 
yeah. it's not something that you can maneuver. <laughs> you don't take it and then, well, let's hope everything works out. No, you don't light the back of a rocket. Yeah. You only do if you've got, you're going for like a moonshot, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> one other thing that's worth checking out, because it'll probably lead you down a whole, to a whole bunch of podcasts. Fuck yeah. Um, there's an old 60 Minutes um, report called A Bad Trip to Edgewood. Okay. It's on YouTube. That. I'll write it down. Um, back in the during the early days of the Cold War, the army ran a so the there's the Edgewood Chemical and Biological Center, okay, um, which is headquartered in at uh, basically Aberdeen Proving Ground, but it's another peninsula that's completely disconnected. I lived there okay. for five years. Okay, yeah. Um, I got the. It's uh, known as Edgewood Chemical Activity. Edgewood Arsenal Human Experiments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chemical. Okay, yeah. And they basically were testing um, LSD and PCP and a bunch of other things on active duty military. Basically, they tell these kids that were like in the military during the Cold War. Hey, you can either be have a shitty job as an infantryman doing KP, doing all this other you know shitty tasks, or you can come over and be part of this you know thing going on, and you get three day weekends every weekend, and you get no extra duties. Fuck that, dude! If the military is giving you psychedelics, it's not for a yeah. good. It's and not just, for a good end. You just do what they tell you to do. Take what they tell you to take. Fuck that. Sounds like MK Ultra, man. It... But 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 it was all. It was all used so like MK Ultra was like, hey, we think the Soviets are trying to figure out how to use psychedelics to make candidates. Yeah, you know, for like remote viewing yeah, to yeah. spy on. Yeah, you know, but this was all. Are these things? Would these things be useful in combat? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like, it, would these drugs give us super soldiers, or can we weaponize these drugs to fuck up the enemy? They'd be great to uh, fuck up the enemy, man. Imagine spraying some fucking LSD. So that's what. So there's actually. So there's a chemical agent. All the. All the. Uh, um, what, what do you call it? Like made for war chemical agents, weaponized. All the weaponized chemical agents have the two letter code names. Okay. Um, you know, H, HD mustard, um, uh, uh, CG. Um, but then, then the. the the, there's a hallucinogen called BZ, Bravo Z, uh, Zeta, okay. um, Bravo Zulu, and it's weaponized form of essentially LSD. It's LSD that can be delivered by like a bomb. An aerosol, okay. Yeah, but that you know you can fill a bomb, bursting explosive shell with BZ, and it would make the enemy trip balls for a couple of days and you know but like you know obviously like chemical warfare kind of petered out um but that's alleged that's that was in the stockpile that's a real like it's weaponized basically lsd cold war nothing was off the table man nothing (laughs) was off the table yeah we had there's a the british had a thing called i think it was operation blue rooster or blue chicken nuclear landmines that they put between them and the soviets and they put them underground but because it was permafrost 
they had to keep it warm so they filled it with a bunch of seed and then put chickens in there and their body temperature yeah i mean that and that never really went to fruition but there's a bunch of i've seen other diagrams from nuclear landmines they're real um like there's a bunch of um vx yeah vx um, gas yeah there's a bunch of vx projectiles in alaska somewhere we know where they are jesus but we just haven't gotten around to go dig them up because there used to be a artillery site in alaska that would that was set up there to shoot vx at like the soviets as they're coming across makes sense and yeah but then when they shut down that site it was like this super remote site basically just a big um artillery piece with some like with some shells and probably like a cabin for soldiers to stay in like a week at a time they get dropped off there with a radio you know they have a radio um and um but when they were shutting that down they just buried all these vx shells and we're like it'll get dealt with later on and still looking for the money for that shit yeah just keep kicking it down the road it's uh yeah yeah well um so amu american military university in dc they had a contract to develop chemical weapons in the 40s i tell the story last time i don't think i did um and when the contract was canceled and basically out out behind the lab they had this big pit where they just throw stuff they were done with and this is back when amu when it was first opened was in the middle of the woods okay now it's like in the suburbs of DC. God damn it. So they just had this pit. And then when they shut down the lab, they basically just bulldozed this lab into the pit. Naturally. And then they sold off the property. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> and in, I want to say, 94. The, the guy who had a house basically on top of it was adding an, either doing an addition to his house or extending his, I think he was extending his back porch and pulled up a mustard round. Oh, no. And that is still being cleaned up to this day. Jesus Christ. I've been out there um, a bunch of times. It's It's pretty hilarious. And for the first almost 20 years the guy was fighting eminent domain claim for the property so he was making the government lease the property during the cleanup that's awesome for like 15 years that's awesome what a baller right and then they finally were able to buy it a few years ago and yeah. get rid of his house. I respect. Um, I respect the hustle. They were basically, just working around his house and leasing the property for the longest time. But at, at, at AMU, if any students from AMU are listening to this, if you walk around campus and there's a big lot that looks like it's been under construction for the last twenty years, that's it. Just a bunch of VX gas. Jesus Christ! It, it's on the. It's pretty much cleaned up now. Oh no. Um, but they're still working. There's still little things. It's a lot of glass, old glassware and things. But it's real, like the original hole was really deep. So it's this really slow excavation process 
and you'll see guys in like this full chemical gear yeah. get up and all this stuff and it's just a mess god damn um god damn and it's just it's like you can see this fenced in area it's it's on the edge of campus at amu it's you know i kind of like the idea of the nevada, nevada test site that's the site obviously you know what it is it's yeah, yeah. for everyone listening that's what area 51 is inside of that's where all of the classified planes get tested that's where we did all the nukes but it's the largest single military isn't this lar- i think it's the largest piece of like government-owned land in the world uh, or weapons I, I think, range i wouldn't go there there's giant blm owns not owns BLM controls most of the land in the West. Nevada test site is 1,351 square miles. Yeah. It's a big boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's huge. Yeah. But just like, I, it's it all depends on what you describe as a single piece of land, just because... Okay, wait, this says it's... this. Okay, not 1,300, 4,531. Yeah. Yeah. And it might be. It might be the single largest single thing, but just BLM owns, controls so much of the West right now, just the way the West was laid out. What's um, BLM? What's that? What's BLM? Uh, Bureau, Bureau of Land, land management. management. Okay. So, okay. like, because the Bureau of Land Management is, like, under the Department of the Interior. Okay. And then, so, like, all of the national parks. Okay are like under blm but those are separate parcels of land correct but like there's huge tracks like national forests yeah that aren't national parks yeah those are controlled by blm okay um huge sections of utah and um uh colorado and wyoming and Nevada and New Mexico are BLM land. And a lot of that's leased to like ranchers. That, that's what the whole uh, Bundy, Eamon Bundy thing was about. Okay. Because he, he, he wanted to graze his, his cows on BLM land, but not pay the leases for it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what the Bundy thing was about. Um, so, but yeah, so... Um, Anyway, anyway, yeah, um, I know, I know. Yeah. Just the, just the statement. It's the single largest government piece of property. And Test site. I, I look into what all BLM controls. Okay, okay. <laughs> Te- regardless, point is, it's a big old fucking place to blow shit up and okay. test stuff. I feel it like they fun. should just do I it all there. Right, that is the biggest um, military installation. Yeah, they should just. And all of my, you know, again, all of my bureaucratic experience in my hundred years in government is just put all the testing there so we don't have any more of this VX gas shit or... or uh, and all that's from back in. Yeah. Like, for the most part, testing and disposal of stuff is pretty well controlled. Um, I didn't often go to... But at the same time, so like one of my first jobs in as a bomb technician was... Uh, they do DOT testing for new guided missiles in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And they were drop sands? testing the new version of the Patriot. Basically, they had to prove that if it was in a car accident being shipped across the highways, yeah, it, it that it wouldn't blow up. Yeah. 
So they had a Patriot missile in the tube in a rig and they dropped it. Well, it didn't blow up, but it broke off the rails in the tube. So the they basically signed it out of an ammo supply point and the ammo supply point wouldn't take it back because it was too broken. Yeah. So I got called in to blow it up. Oh, God damn it. Um, which was fine. It was just a silly situation. Well, that's that's, a, right next to that's the, a whole episode. Oh, what's that? So that's a whole episode. Yeah. And then right off the next to the uh, drop site, the drop thing, they had a giant pool that they would fill with diesel fuel and suspend a missile over that. And it had to survive so much time in the fuel, in the, in the fire without yeah. blowing up. Yeah. There are a lot of cool old, like color tests from like the sixties of like yeah. nuclear reactors. And they'd, they put them on semi trucks and then they'd like hit them with a train and it's all out in the Nevada test site. Did it survive? Okay. And yeah. And then they'd, they put it in a pit with a bunch of yeah gas and they'd be like, it has to be able to survive like 35 minutes in this like raging inferno. And the great one for, the, for nuclear tests, safety tests, is the train test, where they have a cask used for transporting yeah. nuclear material. Yeah. They run a train into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the. I know we're getting off into the rails. I know we need to wrap this bitch up, but there is yeah. a there is a there is a planned. I've talked about it before. The Lockheed Martin, you might like it, Lockheed Martin CL twelve oh one. It was a plan for a flying aircraft carrier that um, the Pentagon contracted out the the proposal to Lockheed Martin in nineteen sixty nine, and it was what is the largest aircraft you could make using today's technology. So nineteen sixty nine, and they came up with a plan that with a plane that would be have a wingspan of eleven hundred feet. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's insane. With a crew of 845, it could carry 22 F4 Phantoms. This thing it makes it makes the helicarriers from Avengers look like small fry. But yeah, it's, it just seems like such a big target. Like a I think that's why they didn't do aircraft it. Aircraft carrier works because it's surrounded by submarines and destroyers. Well, I like the idea of deterrence for this thing was because it had a <laughs> 1.8 or a 2.8 gigawatt reactor. And their idea was... If you blow it up, it's a nuclear bomb. Well, no, it would have been a Chernobyl. But then the idea, yeah. well, then the question was posed, well, what country wants to shoot this down over their, their airspace or over their land? Yeah. It's, anyway, the testing they did for that, the testing they did for the nuclear reactor was that it had to survive a 600-mile-an-hour crash into a, into a granite cliff face without, like, breaking... <laughs> And apparently they got, like, the material science down pat. They were like, it will survive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's two or three broken, major broken yeah. arrow incidents. South Carolina, the, you know, Greensboro, Goldsboro. Let's, let's wrap this up. Okay, yeah, let's wrap this up. We'll go. We, oh, yeah, we, we'll, we'll do another episode because we still All got right. a lot to talk about. But I know I said I'd let you go. <laughs> Thanks for doing it, man. And um, I'll text you. Let's definitely set up another one. All right, yeah, and uh, yeah. If your buddy, the Marine guy, oh yeah, 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 I'll send yeah. you. I'll send him your Feel stuff. Free to send, send him my. Comment. I will. I will. Yeah, and um, right. <laughs> fuck yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we need to do another one. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. Stay safe, buddy. Peace. Right, bye.